Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Coming up in this episode... C21 Editorial Director Ed Waller reports back from Keshet Media Group's InTV conference in Jerusalem, while we continue the Israeli theme by speaking with Dana Stern, Managing Director of Yes Studios and Hadass Moses Lichtenstein, co-founder of the ADD Content Agency. But first, a rundown of some of the highlights from C21 Media this week. Apple sent out invitations to an event later this month where it's expected to unveil its eagerly anticipated video streaming service. The technology giant, which has long promised the reinvention of television, is believed to be lining up a host of stars from series it has in development under former Sony TV chiefs Zach Van Amberg and Jamie Ehrlich. Apple's CEO Tim Cook will take to the stage in the Steve Jobs Theatre in Cupertino on March 25th, when all will be revealed. Amazon, meanwhile, said it intends to reinvent unscripted programming from its new European base as it staffs up across the continent and unveiled new commissions at InTV in Jerusalem. Georgia Brown, Amazon Studios' director of European Originals, told InTV delegates the company was set to double down on unscripted in coming months, highlighting a new documentary about Real Madrid's Sergio Ramos and a new travel series with Grand Tour host James May. Also at InTV, Netflix. VP of original content Cindy Holland offered a few insights into the global streamer's use of data. Interviewed by Keshet CEO Avi Nir, she said the firm can usually decide within 28 days whether a show has met its audience expectations. And as to Netflix's future growth, Holland said the firm's 139 million subscribers translates to around 300 million viewers, but added that the world's population is quite a bit more than that. French pay TV operator Canal Plus launched a drama-focused streaming service of its own, offering access to imported shows such as Killing Eve and Gamora, as well as original series like Versailles and Spiral. Existing Canal Plus subscribers can access Canal Plus series for an additional €6.99 a month. Back in Jerusalem, the thorny issue of the forthcoming fight between US writers and agencies reared its head with CBS Television Studios execs washing their hands of the matter. The expiration next month of the 40-year-old artist-manager basic agreement, which sets out how writers and agents work together, is prompting the Writers Guild of America and Association of Talent Agents to lock horns over what should replace it. Deborah Barak, president of business operations at CBS Entertainment, said it was business as usual for the company, despite growing tensions on all sides. Hulu acquired Free Solo, the National Geographic film following climber Alex Honnold scaling El Capitan in the Yosemite National Park, which won Best Documentary Feature at this year's Academy Awards. Meanwhile, Netflix and Investigation Discovery got ready to release separate documentaries on the disappearance of British schoolgirl Madeleine McCann in 2007. For more on the streamer's documentary strategy, download the C21 Pro 2019 Factual Futures Report now available in full on our site, where you'll find more about all these stories and hundreds of others. That's just some of the highlights from C21 this week. 
We'll be hearing shortly from Dana Stern, Managing Director of Yes Studios, and Hadaz Moses Lichtenstein, co-founder of ADD Content Agency, both of whom were involved in the huge success of Israeli drama Fowder. But first, back to Keshet's in-TV conference in Jerusalem. C21 Editorial Director Ed Waller was at the event, and he caught up with Danny Peled, managing partner of KDC Media Fund, a joint venture VC company formed by Kesher and Dick Clark Productions to develop the use of Israeli technology in media. In order to encourage innovation in the media ecosystem, Keshet and a US company called the Dick Clark Productions decided to launch a fund that will locate Israeli startups in the different fields of media and to invest, invest in those funds and provide them with a sandbox. Either through Keshet or DCP's outlets, they have digital and offline outlets. And we help them create a, like a very solid use case. We are focusing on ROI through the technology or through the implementation of technology. And then through our network of connections, we introduce them to other potential other publishers, broadcasters, that, that really depends on, on, on you know, the nature of the startup and hopefully benefit from either an IPO or an M&A or whatever that will be in the future. So we started that almost three years ago in May 2016. Uh, we have already invested in eight startups and I, I'm, I'm managing all of that. Israel has had a lot of uh, history and experience in marrying together game shows, for instance, with high-tech things like apps and the different things that they can Correct. do. Correct. And, and to, to varying degrees of, of success. What, what are the lessons to be learned from uh, the, the experiences thus far? Before starting the fund, I was uh, an entrepreneur myself, and there was like a very, very famous show that uh, was called The Vault. It was actually like a, a global success, and we did the interactive game for that. And then came, you know, like the wave of a second screen where uh, the broadcasters were sure that uh, they would be able to convince people to play along while a TV show is running uh, on the screen, which is not the case because people prefer either to, to text their friends or check out their uh, social accounts. So I'm not a great believer in that direction. I think that there's um, advantages to each and every platform and those advantages should be fully utilized. That, that's my, my own take uh, on that. Uh, time will tell. Currently, Second screen is no longer a trend, and you can see like the all the big TV shows are, are pushing uh, hashtags on on social platforms and not so much on their own apps because they understood that they uh, lost this battle. There seems to be uh, the idea that uh, technology sometimes gets in the way of storytelling. Is, th is that something you agree with? I think that there are you know different ways to tackle this question. So in one hand, yes, you're right. Technology, you know, like every time a new technology is being introduced, creators need to adapt to that. And many times it's not that trivial. It's not the same process of creating a TV series for CW on one hand. But then on the other hand, new influencers, you know, are taking Instagram stories or Snapchat uh, stories to the next level and coming with really, really creative ideas because they know better how to use those tools and what to do with them. Tell me a little bit about um, the, the current sort of technology buzzword of AI, artificial intelligence. How, how's that going to impact the TV business, the creative process that leads to, to content? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think that the uh, audience here at the conference are not, they don't really fully aware of the consequences in the next year or two 
through you know the involvement of uh, AI. I totally agree with Elon Musk that it's uh, an extremely extremely dangerous uh, tool if it gets uh, to the wrong hands. The reason why it's, it's so dangerous is because it can perfectly imitate the best uh, authors that are available and this is just the beginning you know we were not and there's no one here that can actually predict where this is going so you don't think that we'll have uh, computers uh, or uh, ai creating uh, new formats for game shows or creating new scripts for tv series i'm sure that uh, this is going to happen uh, you know along the way you know eventually computers will be able to understand better than human beings what makes us tick and uh, what makes us, you know, uh, get excited. And then they'll be able to create scripts and games and whatever that would be. Uh, th that's my personal opinion. Again, uh, I'm a strong believer in that. What, what should uh, producers and networks uh, be doing right now to sort of get ready for this, uh, these changes? So we saw uh, an interactive uh, episode from uh, Netflix trying to uh, offset for um, the lack of interactivity in storytelling in like a traditional television episode, which again, according to the, the critics, was not really taking you know, the, the full advantage of the, of the medium. But, you know, eventually Netflix is constantly gathering more and more data about our habits and about the, the genres that we like and about the actors that we like and about the, the scripts that, that really got us uh, excited. And they'll be able to, you know, inject all this data into a computer one day, probably, and come up with the, you know, ultimate story. Danny Pellage from KDC Media Fund. Staying with our Israeli theme this week, Dana Stern is MD of Yes Studios, the Israeli producer-distributor, which is part of broadcaster Yes TV, behind series including Fowder, a global hit now thanks to being picked up by Netflix. Hadaz Moses Lichtenstein, co-founder of ADD Content Agency, was the distributor that sold the show to the US streamer and they told C21 TV how transformative the series has been for both of them and the wider Israeli TV market. Stern also talks about how the local broadcast market operates while Lichtenstein whose agency also represents Wonder Woman star Gal Gadot discusses the impact that film's success has had back home. Fauna was a long time coming but certainly no one um, least of all us and I'll speak for the creators as well um, on this front because uh, we're heavily aligned in everything that we're doing with this show and, and with the show globally, uh, certainly couldn't foresee the kind of success Fauda has had. Fauda launched in Israel in um, February 2015. We knew we had something special right off the bat, but certainly nothing to warrant the kind of international sensation. And really kind of a trailblazer in its own right and certainly paved the way for other very, very successful non-English language um, dramas to come to the global stage and really present a lot of opportunities. So the first season of Fauda uh, premiered on Netflix at the end of 2016. I remember we all went to LA for the premiere that we had kind of cobbled together for that first season. Um, we were all anonymous, it was fine, nobody stopped us anywhere. Fast forward the following year when we're premiering season two, and Leo Raz, who is the co-creator and the star, and obviously Schalb, who's not on camera, he has a little cameo in season two, but you know, certainly not recognizable. We were stopped as soon as we got uh, off the plane in LA. And it was only a year. So that's the impact of Netflix and being available in 190 you know, countries and territories. And it's opened up so many doors for us. What we're doing as Yes Studios um, is on the back, and thankfully to that success that 
Fauda has afforded all of us. Um, Avi and me are the two co-creators, have a two-series uh, deal at Netflix that they're working on right now. The third season will launch at the end of um, 2019, both with us and on Netflix. Scripts are really, really good. Um, in regards to Fauda, we became involved in the show pretty early before it was actually shot. They've done an incredible job. It looks phenomenal. Um, and I think, you know, once there was a tape, people actually saw what it is and how, I think, not just incredible physically look, but how the topic can be so relevant, even though you're not from that area geographically. You can still relate because, you know, it showed both sides. Um, it didn't come to criticize and was just super interesting. Um, and so, you know, we started exploring it. Um, Netflix had an interest in it. And I think, I think personally it did two things, also on the business side, but also on the personal side. On the business side, obviously, um, did a good thing. Everybody is aware of Fauda in hundreds of territories. Um, but I think also on a personal side, it's nice to see that as Israeli, you're exporting things, not just um, bad news about terror and war, um, and showing there's another side of the country, um, and that people can be objective towards the unfortunate situation, the political situation that we have. Um, and yes, we're in this for the business, but it also makes you feel good as a human being that people are watching this in Arab territories and are saying, wow, you know, there are two sides and also Israelis can see that situation. I call it the little, the little show that could, the little gift that, that could. It's really everyone that was involved uh, with the first season and then the subsequent seasons has gone on to do so much more and that show has opened up so many opportunities, uh, both for the directors, the director of the first season is working in the U.S. now. The writers are all off doing other projects. Everything's from, you know, the writers of Fauda. The actors have all gone on to have such great careers. So it's it's really been that little gift to everybody that's worked on it. And in Israel, from regulatory reasons, which is totally unsexy but true, we have to produce. So we literally have to spend money on original Hebrew language production. So we're afforded a luxury of really selecting shows that we want to make. Obviously we're thrilled if they do find an audience, um, but that's not the major concern. We don't do things for popularity's sake. We tend to select topics and subject and productions and producers and writers that have a passionate story that they want to tell. Our license mandates us to spend 8% of our revenue on original Hebrew speaking production. And therefore we can then go out and spend, um, we have to go out and spend that amount and then we can spend that entire amount on a production and really have no deficit and pay everyone out immediately as soon as production kind of rolls. So that's the benefits of working in Israel. The other side of that, our budgets are small. Um, it's become a, a trending thing. People like to say, oh, Israeli budgets are amazing. Let's do everything on that kind of budget. Um, if you ask some of our showrunners and some of our directors, they certainly would like bigger budgets. But, you know, that's, that's the compromise of, on one hand, getting things into production quickly, not having to worry about the financing, know it's coming all from one source, but on the other hand, having a limited budget, which, you know, sometimes constraints actually promote creativity. We're always conscious of, um, you know, what is going on in the market, and we recognize that we've had the spotlight in Israel for quite a while, um, but there's certainly other markets that are doing phenomenal work. Um, Spain, Russia is really up and coming, uh, Eastern Europe, 
Obviously, Scandinavia is still um, a big player in international formats and finished tapes, great production values, great storytelling. So you have to be very mindful on what everybody's doing, what other markets are producing, and ultimately be as, as attuned as you can be to the audience. I think the, the biggest challenge for me and for us and what we're doing in the S studio is really remembering that end viewer. Ultimately, there's a viewer, and what, is, what are we trying to convey? to them. The rest is the business aspects of it and the challenges and we're mindful of you know where markets are going and what other people are doing and what the market wants, but ultimately you gotta think of their year. Gal while we worked with her, we bought her into Fast and Furious like a while ago. It changes, I think it will change the history of how um, people look at Israeli talent, but not just Israeli talent, I think international talent, because you're in a position where it doesn't matter, you know, Wonder Woman is, I think, such an American icon, and the fact that you can bring an international person to do that role, it's such an opening mind to so many things, and in a position where you can elevate people to be at the top of the top, it's incredible. And again, I think it gives also aspiration to people all over the world, you know, 20 years ago, if you don't have the full American accent, it wouldn't have worked. But today, it's okay to be foreign. It's not just an Olympic cruise. It's other people. It's Danish. It's Israeli. Wow, you can do those things from your home in Israel. It's incredible. Dana Stern and Hadaz Moses Lichtenstein. Those are just a few extracts from C21 TV video interviews with the two execs you can watch in full on our site now. That's all we have time for in this episode, but don't forget to delve into the site for plenty more and stay up to date with all the latest news by following C21 online, on Twitter, and on mobile. Thanks for listening.